Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. I'm back again with Yusip Roine. What's up? Hey, Toby. Good to be here again. Uh, perhaps the big thing, what's up for me, is that I'm in the process of building a house. And, and when I say in the process of building a house, meaning that I'm, I'm planning on what sort of a house I should build on a piece of land that I now own. And hopefully by 2021 Christmas, the house will be ready. But, but that sort of remains to be seen in the next six to eight months on how everything falls in place. All right, that's pretty exciting. So I'm I'm not in the process of building a house. I just ended a process of selling my house. So I'm I'm moving in the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, hopefully this will also the, that was a quick deal, and I I'm hoping now that we can also find where we want to move next. Uh, but we kind of made this decision because we're getting our next daughter in December this year, and yeah, now we'll be able to settle in time. Uh, just be able to relax until we find where we want to live next. Congratulations on the uh, on the upcoming member to your family for sure. Oh, not the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the house. Who cares about that? <laughs> I can I can wholeheartedly say that the second kid feels like you have five kids, and when you get the third kid, or if you get a third kid, it doesn't really matter anymore. They just all sort of can be managed in in bulk. <laughs> all right, fair enough. So the uh, next time we'll, we'll record an episode then, uh, will you be recording from a tent outside your former house or, or hopefully you'll, you'll get a roof <laughs> up of your head in the future? Please give the house back. <laughs> <laughs> I regret my decision. <laughs> no, so, so what we're doing now is we're actually not moving until next year. We're moving into a pretty big apartment that closer to the city. So we have more of the accommodations and shops and coffee shops and things around us that we miss where we live now but obviously related to living in a tent outside the house we'll still go out into the woods on our journeys for uh, cooking the perfect outdoor meal and stuff like that but maybe that's a topic for a different type of a uh, podcast altogether we should at some point definitely have like an episode or two episodes on everything else on azure just these insights into into life and camping and, and building a house or selling a house <laughs> Alrighty, so today's episode is security news from Microsoft Ignite, September 2020. So as is to be expected, um, Ignite is virtual only this year, uh, and it sort of builds on top of the blueprint that we already experienced with Build in May. So everybody can join, it's free of charge, meaning you, you don't need to pay for a ticket. And there's lots of content and different sort of content. There's the breakout sessions, there's the key segments. So they're not called keynotes, key segments now, and they're a bit more condensed. Then there's uh, table talks and, and different sort of sessions so that you can build uh, a schedule for yourself where you feel you get the most value for whatever you're working on. And as is to be expected as well, during Ignite, we got a lot of announcements. So perhaps we go through these in order. So 
we, we have sort of shortlisted the, the most interesting ones in terms of security. And since there's so many announcements, I think, think we'll, we'll, we'll visit some of these in more detail later on. But this would perhaps be most useful if we sort of look at the, at the big things that were announced. So where should we start? What, what would be the first one, Toby? So, yeah, it's like you say, there was a, a lot of announcements uh, being made. And specifically for security, there's um, a couple of cool things that they announced. And one of the things I like are the updates to Azure Sentinel. And Azure Sentinel is something we talked about in a different uh, podcast episode with Martin. And Azure Sentinel is um, pretty much Microsoft's cloud-native CM or security information and event management solution. And with the updates now, you have new analytics, threat intelligence, and data collection features. So they're making use of this built-in behavioral analytics with Microsoft User and Entity Behavior Analytics. That's uh, UEBA at this platform. So you can find anomalies and extract behavioral insights, uh, which is pretty useful for threat hunting and detection. So there's a, a couple of new features around that. So the Sentinel um, kind of solution is just growing. And I, I really like how they integrated this now because there's a lot of smart things happening there. And as we know, the threat landscape is ever growing and that will never really rest. So I like the pace of innovation for Microsoft here. Um, and they also have like bring your own machine learning. So if you have your own machine learning models, you can now kind of integrate them using Azure Machine Learning Jupyter Notebooks. So if you have an ML Jupyter Notebook, you can integrate that. And that offers you also a, a framework of cloud scale data pipeline for ML using Azure Databricks. So I also like that, like if you're doing things with ML already and you have your uh, threat models and whatever it is uh, with machine learning, then you can now integrate that into Azure Sentinel. So that's pretty cool. I've never done it, but I read a couple of stories about it and it looks pretty impressive. So if your job is about securing the, the, uh, the landscape and work you know, deeply with cybersecurity, these things matter a lot. And there's also new features for managing threat intelligence. So you can, like in the UI, you can search and add and track threat indicators, create watch lists for threat hunting and detection like restricted IPs, trusted systems, critical assets, risky users, vulnerable hosts, and things like that. And, and the final thing that I noticed around Azure Sentinel is a set of new data connectors. So what I recently did myself is I connected Microsoft Teams to Sentinel. So you can now get uh, indicators from usage of Microsoft Teams, and of course, uh, a couple of more Microsoft 365 connectors, and then other cloud and data collection pipelines as well. So there's a lot of news in general, a lot of security focus. And for Azure Sentinel, all the things I just listed are kind of the, the highlights that I saw that I really like. For you as a user, when you go into Azure and you look at Sentinel, this will be right there, right? So it's the experience doesn't require you to kind of ramp up or study a lot. You know, it's ready at your fingertips. So it's pretty cool. I like it. I really like the progress with Azure Sentinel. And often, before we had Sentinel, uh, of course, we would have different solutions that would do sort of the same. But what I like often, what Microsoft is capable of doing is that they'll announce and, and release a new product like Azure Sentinel. And then after a year or during the year after that release, 
we started getting this rapid pace of new innovations and capabilities that you can then choose on how important are these? Should we now invest more in Azure Machine Learning, the Jupyter Notebooks, or should we now take a look at the data connectors to Teams, for example, and try to tackle that first? As opposed to, and this is perhaps the public cloud was so, so commonly used as it is nowadays, but if I would have a customer and they would say, yeah, we need to collect all the logs and, and event management things in one place, you would ask, so what are you planning on using? They would have whatever solution, but that would be maintained by this one person and expanding or adding a new version of that software would take three months because that person was busy with, with everything else. But now with Azure Sentinel and similar services, we keep on getting quite a bit of new capabilities in just uh, a period of a few months since, since the last updates. So this, this is also a challenge for a lot of people to, to keep up to pace and understand what's, what's relevant, what should we do, should we reconfigure something? But also, I feel this ensures that something that was released about a year ago already now has a lot of functionality. So, so don't miss the train in that sense, hop in and then start ramping up on those specific services. Yeah, that makes sense. So what are the highlights on top of your mind? Um, there were so many, but let me, let me first start with public preview of Azure Auto Manage. And this is something I've, I've been waiting for to happen. So this is a new approach to managing virtual machines in Azure. And as, as I understood, this, uh, this only supports Windows Server VMs for now. So it automates the operations that need to happen in your Windows Server VM, and it's aligned with Cloud Adoption Framework. So perhaps about 10 episodes ago, we, we did one episode on Cloud Adoption Framework and, and what the best practices are in there to ensure business continuity and, and a secure deployment. And now with Azure Auto Manage, we get an automated approach in that you have a bunch of VMs, perhaps you should do this, this, and this. And it gives you this, this point and click interface. And at least the, the promise is that it's going to be simple and, and simplified. And I feel often that IT pros are very busy nowadays. You really don't have the time to individually start managing things. You sort of want these dashboards that say, well, we found five VMs, that are not backed up. Would you like that to happen? Yes, no. So that's the ideal approach. If you can trust whatever that best practice is going to be, as opposed to, well, you have five VMs, you need to fix backups for them. And then you log in and say, oh, there's SQL Server in here, so let me, let me configure a maintenance job first to dump them on the disk and do all sorts of things. And I, I feel we don't really have the time to focus on those individual needs as often as we perhaps should. So any sort of automation that we can trust and that aligns with best practices is, is definitely something that I feel everybody should start using. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I also like the naming here, Azure Auto Manage. So it's, it's automation, but it's managing it for you. So Auto Manage, it's a pretty cool word. Um, I didn't check the pricing on that, and that's 
probably because often when they announce something in the key segment, I have a couple of browser tabs open. Well, I'm not kidding anybody. I have 75 browser tabs open, but I have a couple close by. And when they announce something on a key segment, I'm, I'm quickly checking the Azure pricing calculator and, and the product page and the features and the pricing and whatnot. And at some point, I just give up because I, I realized that, okay, they announced this now. So perhaps the next day, they will light up all the relevant documentation and whatnot. So my understanding is that during preview, Azure Auto Manage is free for Windows Server VMs. All right. Yeah, that's good to know. So another thing that I took a look at that, that I really liked is they're kind of consolidating. They have a Microsoft a long-term plan to kind of unify all cybersecurity offerings under a, a simpler naming scheme and kind of making it easier to understand the full security capabilities from the company. And uh, there's now Azure Defender and Microsoft 365 Defender. So Azure Defender, which if you go to your security center today, you will see in the menu, there's something called Azure Defender. So I already used it. I already took a look and I really like it. It's a bit more intuitive than it was before. Um, but it's, it's kind of a rebranding of some things. And there's now three, as I understand it, there's three different editions of Azure Defender. That is Azure Defender for Service, which was previously Azure Security Center Standard Edition. And there's Azure Defender for IoT, which was previously Azure Security Center for IoT. And then there's Azure Defender for SQL, which was Advanced Threat Protection for SQL. So it's a couple of new names, but the features and capabilities, and, and especially the UI when you go into Security Center for this is pretty cool and relevant to, to that same kind of consolidation of the cybersecurity efforts Microsoft 365 Defender uh, is what was formerly known as Microsoft Threat Protection. And Microsoft Defender for Endpoint was Microsoft Defender ATP or Advanced Threat Protection. Microsoft Defender for Office 365 is what we used to know as Office 365 ATP. And Microsoft Defender for Identity is what we knew as Azure ATP. So you can see there's a lot of Microsoft Defender and Azure Defender in the names now and kind of rebranded some of these things um, from the previous names to new names and updated the UIs a bit. Um, and I really like this consolidated platform because when you deal with cybersecurity and compliance and all these things, you don't want 25 different tools. You want one place to go to get an overview and then from there drill down. And I think this is kind of what they're trying to achieve with um, Azure Defender and Microsoft 365 Defender as well. So that's a, that's a pretty interesting update. So my understanding here is that all the Azure Defender ones, so for servers, for IoT, for SQL, they are now accessible through Azure Security Center and there's a separate section or dashboard within Azure Security Center. So in that sense, Azure Sentinel is crucial, but Azure Security Center now also houses a lot of the core security services definitely on, on, on the defense side. And at the same time, I'm happy that Microsoft 365 Defender is, is, is now sort of the umbrella brand for everything on the modern workplace, the, the productivity suites. The, the old ATP names, I was always so confused when somebody would say, well, we have this and that ATP, but we need this and that license. 
So perhaps we also need an episode on all the different license requirements and, and pricings and options and whatnot. But, but for now, I think this makes it a bit more clear that Azure Defender are things in Azure and M365 Defender are things in M365, which of course also includes most things in Office 365. I think what Microsoft, like how they frame it is uh, Microsoft Defender now in, inclusive in the Microsoft 365 Defender and Azure Defender prevents, detects and responds to threats across identities, endpoint applications, email infrastructure and cloud platforms and self-heals affected assets. And I really like kind of that, that uh, phrase kind of puts everything into a, to a bucket to understand what it's all about. And then these different additions is something that you can just drill down into depending on if you're managing 365 or, or Azure. And one of, one of the interesting bits that I see definitely in the marketing pages for Azure Defender now and Security Center is multi-cloud so Microsoft seems to be bringing more and more of the multi-cloud security approach in their marketing. And yes, I understand it's, it's perhaps something that uh, the large enterprise customers have been asking, but for any smaller companies, I've, I've perhaps yet to see in the, in the European Union region that a company would choose perhaps Azure and AWS and perhaps Google Cloud and say, we want to manage all of these through one pane of glass. And if, if that happens to be so, it might not be a pane of glass product from one of those three vendors. It might be something from a third party. Okay, and next up, Microsoft Compliance Manager is also now generally available. And to be brutally like Dutch honest, I, I've sort of forgotten that the Compliance Manager existed because we got <laughs> this a couple of years ago when GDPR then the extension period was about to run out in, was it in 2018, May? Uh, and then Compliance Manager came out as a sort of tool to, to run through who's responsible for what and what's the status and let's have a report from everybody within the organization. Are we all set now? So I haven't opened this G8 version of Compliance Manager, but my understanding is just looking briefly at the announcement is that it brings now together compliance manager and then compliance score combining all of the Microsoft 365 compliance aspects. Have you, have you tried it now or have you tried the previous of the, the non-GA version in the past two years? Uh, I did look at the previous editions and I think that's more than a year ago right now. Um, and I, I kind of liked it, but at the, at the point in time, that was not really on my plate to handle. And uh, today I have looked at the GA version of Microsoft Compliance Manager and I really like it. You can do these kind of continuous assessments and, um, and they have recommended actions and control mappings. And the one thing that I really like about it is that you can take one action and satisfy multiple regulatory requirements. So if you have NIST requirements and ISO 27001, and you have uh, SOC TSP and CIS uh, 3.2.1, you know, whatever, if you have a, a bunch of different regulatory uh, compliance requirements, then with the Microsoft Compliance Manager and your control mappings, you can kind of map these things to these different frameworks or these different um, certifications if you're targeting that. And you can see that when I satisfy this control, when I satisfy this by taking this action, I will satisfy 
this control, meaning I will tick these boxes in those different frameworks. So it's uh, not just for one type of uh, compliance framework, but I really like this kind of capability that I used to do in Excel back in the day where I had an Excel file and the Excel file would point to, you know, different frameworks. And if you answered yes to this question, it means you answered yes in three out of five frameworks. But now, you know, built into the Microsoft Compliance Manager, I, I really like that we get this. Um, so, and, and also I think the score in Microsoft Compliance Manager is based on requirements from standards like the, the ISO, GDPR, and NIST, uh, possibly more, but I know at least those three. There's a promise that there's now the ability to, to employ more than 150 out-of-box assessments, which, which are also scalable. Uh, again, I, I feel, especially for larger enterprises, this is, this is something they, they should Im immediately have a look at. For perhaps uh, a company which is smaller or has less resources to focus on compliance, I would, I would anticipate that the work is more about, let's open this, let's have a look, and, and are we compliant with GDPR, for example? Oh, we are not, so, so let's call in a lawyer here to explain what we actually need to do for this, this, and this thing. Yeah, and like compared to an enterprise, where I work today is a fairly small company, and, and we use it as a kind of a um, starting point for understanding, you know, where are we today and what is the road to success? Because, you know, meeting five compliance standards, if someone comes and say, well, okay, you're meeting these standards, but now I also want you to meet those standards, it's not going to happen, right? Because we, mm. that will take a long time in a smaller company, it will take probably even longer time in a big company. But coming here, we can kind of see what, what is the low-hanging fruit, what is the things we can easily achieve, and where do we need to put more efforts or pull in more resources in order to achieve it. So it's kind of a, I like the dashboard, and I like the UI because it's very intuitive in making me understand where we are as a company, are we compliant or not, or are we on the right track even? So I, I really like that. As, as part of my studies at school, and I hope to graduate early next year, is that I, I get to become exposed to a lot of business language. So, so I promise not to drop this too often, but uh, for compliance manager, I think it helps us define what success looks like. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, I mean, success comes in, in different forms and shapes, so, uh, but it's a valid question. Indeed. And, and last but not least, I think you have plenty of thoughts on this. Azure Keyvault managed a HSM. Yeah, so I've worked a lot with Keyvaults, um, and, and Azure Keyvault managed HSM, or Hardware Security Module, is now available in Preview. And an HSM is basically that the encryption is backed by the hardware that it's running on. So it's a fully managed HA or high availability, single tenant, high throughput, standard compliant cloud service. Um, and this can protect your cryptographic keys using FIPS 140-2 level three validated HSMs. So if you do work in this space, you probably understand the things I just said. If you don't work with these things and cryptographic keys or um, standards for encryption levels and, and data security, then maybe those are just random words. The important thing to know is you can now pretty much um, bring your own key. And I, I both blogged about it and I think we touched on that uh, previously as well in the podcast in several episodes. Um, you can integrate this with other Azure services. 
So you can encrypt data at rest with your own key. Uh, so a customer managed key uh, with Azure storage, Azure SQL and Azure information protection. Uh, and of course, everything that happens inside of the key vaults, you will get activity logs uh, backed by Azure Monitor and Log Analytics. So you can then create alerts, you can query, and you can uh, basically drill into uh, all the data. So it's um, kind of a new, uh, new standard for the Azure Key Vault with a managed HSM uh, capability, which is pretty cool. So if you do work in that space, if you are bringing your own keys, if you do um, any of these things that require the none out of the box experience, this might be a thing to take a look at. So I, I realized we did a Key Vault episode, but that was almost a year ago. So what's the difference between Azure Key Vault, HSM, and Azure Key Vault managed HSM? So the way I understand it is when it's a managed HSM, you kind of get it all in the box, right? So it's, okay. uh, it's still a preview, so I don't have all the details. So my expectations in when this comes out as a GA, we can actually do a full episode on Key Vault again, and then we can kind of in incorporate all, the, all of this and the differences as well. Um, and with a normal HSM, you have to create the keys, because I've done that, I created, I, I use BYOK or bring your own keys. I had to use a HSM compliant hardware. Actually, the computer I was running on had to be HSM compliant. And then I can create my keys or generate it there and then kind of use those keys. And I suppose the managed version now is that you kind of get that as well built in. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna put an asterisk next to that and say, let's do an episode about Key Vault, perhaps on the one year anniversary of the, the podcast, which is coming up. And then we can kind of compare all the new features of Key Vault uh, compared to who, how it was a year ago. And yeah, sounds, sounds really good because I need a better understanding on this. And that's perhaps because I often need to use Key Vault a little less meaning that I have one Key Vault provision and that's, that's that. And I, I sort of treat that a bit similarly like Azure Storage Account. I put stuff in there and that's that. Uh, so this is really interesting. And Azure Key Vault Managed HSM is, is now available in public preview, meaning that, yeah, definitely have a look, but perhaps don't migrate all of your secrets right now there if it's uh, critical for production use. Alrighty, so that was all um, for security aspects. So these were the key uh, top picks uh, for security news from Microsoft Ignite in September, September 2020. Um, and I'm sure we'll revisit plenty of these in the future and, and have a more deeper look when we've had a bit more time to try out some of the announcements and new capabilities. Um, and I think that's all we have for now. So thanks for listening and until next time. All right, see you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned. Thank you.